Arrow Films is a leading independent entertainment distribution company established in 1991, operating in the UK, the Republic of Ireland, United States of America, and Canada. Arrow Films is dedicated to supporting upcoming and established filmmakers of dynamic new cinema and developing an inviolable slate of quality films that enjoy a lasting legacy across its award-winning branded labels, channels, and platforms. Arrow Films is also a leading restorer and theatrical distributor of classic and cult horror films, including landmark titles such as the 25th anniversary reissue of Cinema Paradiso, the 15th anniversary reissue of Donnie Darko, and the 30th anniversary reissue of Hellraiser. These lovingly restored films are brought back into cinemas nationwide with brand new look campaigns with wide-reaching distribution, including outdoor event status screenings at various cultural festivals, and as one-off bookings in local repertory cinemas and film societies. Arrow Films is also widely considered to be the global market leader in the premium home entertainment market, fueled by passionate and expert curation aligned with state-of-the-art in-house film restoration, resulting in highly sought-after bespoke Blu-ray editions of classic cult and horror films across its Arrow Video and Arrow Academy branded labels. Beloved by collectors, these ever-expanding brands continue to delight their growing international fan base with regular interactive live events, festival sponsorship, and retail stands presence. Our offering extends to truly limited edition box sets, as well as associated spin-off products, now including books and vinyl records. We are so happy to have Arrow Video as one of our new sponsors. You can find them at www.aerofilms.com. While you're there, be sure to pick up some cool titles. For example, they have the brand new American Werewolf in London collection, which is beautiful. The complete Sartana collection, Hellraiser 1, 2, and 3, Toys Are Not For Children, a new edition of Al Pacino's Cruising, and let's not forget a limited edition copy of Fear and Loathing in Las Vegas and an upcoming limited edition copy of RoboCop. There's so much more I can't even get into them all, but trust me when I say they're fantastic. And we couldn't be happier to have them. So once again, visit Arrow Films at www.aerofilms.com and check out all of their brands from Arrow Video, Arrow Academy, Arrow Films, and Arrow TV. Warning! This movie podcast actually discusses movies. Be aware that it may discuss any of the following elements. Endings, surprise twists, unexpected cameos, and all manner of spoilers. If this doesn't appeal to you, why listen to a movie podcast? Without further ado, please enjoy our feature presentation, The Shameless Picture Show. Good morning, listeners. This is Michael Vyers here to do another little bonus piece of audio for you. I haven't decided yet if this is going to go on the tail end of our Terminator episode, which thematically would um, would work pretty well, or if it's instead going to go as its own little thing. But, but yeah, it's about 8 a.m. here in Wisconsin. It's a Sunday. Uh, I've been up pretty early today. We had a little bit of a scare with our with our little dog, Vinny. He's eight months now, and uh, we woke up in the middle of the night, and uh, he was, like, rubbing his head on me crazy, and he would not stop itching. Um, I woke Amanda up, and um, 
said, uh, I think something, I think, itch, I think Vinny's got an itch or something. He won't stop scratching himself. And, uh, we felt his head and it felt weirdly bumpy. And then, uh, when we turned the lights on, uh, we saw that his face had swelled up like at least two sizes. And, uh, we deduced he was having an allergic reaction to something. So this was around 2 a.m. Uh, we panicked and took him to the, the, vet emergency hospital and they confirmed there was an allergic reaction we have no idea to what um his face was swollen and he had hives going down his back um we haven't really introduced anything new into the household so i guess one thought process could be that it was a bug bite of some sort but what are you gonna do so we've been up pretty early today um we went back to sleep around 3 a.m I want to say, and yeah, like, we tried, we tried to get back to sleep, I had better luck than Amanda, but we didn't sleep much, so uh, we've been up since at least six, you know, for real, and I didn't originally know if I was going to record this, but I didn't want to keep putting it off, so enough of my little melodramatic wife, I'm here to review some movies. Some movies, you say? Yes, some movies. So, um, as I said before, I will, well, at least I think I said it before, I don't remember. I am here today to review a classic, I guess. Um, actually, no, I'm not even going to say I guess. Fuck it, this movie is a classic. I am here to review Paul Verhoeven's film, RoboCop. So... Description of the film from Arrow Video says, RoboCop from Orion Pictures marked Flesh and Blood director Paul Verhoeven's Hollywood debut and instantly became an enduring sci-fi action classic when it landed in theaters in the summer of 1987. Verhoeven's peerlessly exciting and connected visuals were matched by a sharp script, iconic cast, and exceptional special effects by Rob Bottin, best known for The Thing, and Phil Tippett from The Empire Strikes Back. The film takes place in Detroit in the not-too-distant future. Heroic cop Alex Murphy, played by Peter Weller from The the Adventures of Buckaroo Banzai, is gunned down in the line of duty, only to be resurrected as Robocop, a cybernetic mix of spare human parts and motor city steel, and the latest defense against crime designed by the all-powerful OCP Corporation. As Robocop's memories of his former life as Murphy resurface, only his ex-partner, Nancy Allen from Dress to Kill, stand beside him to fight against the vicious thugs responsible for his death, as well as a nefarious top-level OCP executive orchestrating the chaos from above. Unsurpassingly thrilling, unexpectedly moving, and unforgettably hilarious in equal measure, the future of law enforcement is back in a definitive Blu-ray presentation packed with hours of brand new bonus features and exclusive collectible packaging. We get the best of both worlds. The fastest reflexes modern technology has to offer onboard computer-assisted memory and a lifetime of on-the-street law enforcement programming. It is my great pleasure to present to you... Robocop. This guy is really good. He's not a guy, he's a machine. Old Detroit has a cancer. Cancer is crime. Let the woman go. You are under arrest. You, you better back up, pal. 
Your move, creep. What are your prime directives? You have the right to remain silent. You have the right to an attorney. What is this shit? Anything you say may be used against you. He's a cyborg, you idiot. You recorded every word you said. You're dead. We killed you. His memory's admissible as evidence. You're gonna have to kill it. Get in the car, for God's sake! Robocop, the future of law enforcement. Robocop. Um, Robocop is a movie I actually saw relatively late in my life. Um, uh, I another discovery that I have to give credit to uh, my beautiful and talented wife Amanda. Um, I might not have seen. Well, I know I would have eventually seen it. I uh, I don't know um, when I would have seen it had it not been for her. And the first time I saw it was around the time that the RoboCop remake came out. So what was that? Uh, a couple years ago, I want to say 2014, maybe 2015. Something like that. unimportant. Um, and uh, the trailer for it looked good. I know the film is not very well loved. I remember enjoying it at the time. Um, but I remember thinking, oh, uh, no, actually, we went to go see it. And I remember relatively liking it. And I was told her, it's like, yeah, I don't, if I've seen Robocop, I don't remember when I have. Because when I was a kid, Robocop was on all, it was very much like the Terminator films. It was on all the time. But I don't, know if it was the original RoboCop that was on all the time, if it was one of the sequels. I, I knew the image of RoboCop. I knew roughly the story of RoboCop. And she's like, oh, I love RoboCop. And um, we found out later on she does love RoboCop, um, but she also loves the movie Judge Dredd with uh, Sylvester Stallone and was getting scenes from Judge Dredd confused with scenes from RoboCop. Because I remember when we finally watched RoboCop, she's like, oh, there's a couple scenes that I was uh, I remember seeing, and where were they? And later on, when we eventually watched Judge Dredd, which is another film she introduced me to, um, that's what she she realized, that she got him confused. But So that was my first experience with RoboCop. I want to say I got a Blu-ray from it from um, Walmart or something like that. It was the um, director's cut, the gorier cut, I guess. Um, I, I don't know. I said, I guess it is, is factually the gorier cut. The, the theatrical cut version is, uh, awfully gory itself. Um, so the film is, as it said about Alex Murphy, he is a new cop. He has just been transferred to the Detroit police department. Um, and in this world, in the futuristic, I almost said futuristic future, in the futuristic Detroit, a company called, uh, OCP, Omnicorp presentations or something like that um they're in control of everything they're in control of the police they're in control of all this marketing all these machines and when we first start meeting people from ocp we find that they their whole plan is they are trying to create a weaponized machine that can i don't want to say take over because that's the wrong word but uh i guess take over for the police to help cut down on all the violent death that's going on. Because at this time in the future, Detroit is the most dangerous city uh, probably in the world. And police officers are getting gunned down. They talk about going on strike. It, no, no one's safe. Nothing's safe. And no matter how good of a cop you are, 
it doesn't do anything for you. So Alex Murphy comes up to Detroit wide-eyed and idealistic, thinking he's going to make a difference. And he gets paired up with Officer Ann Lewis. And uh, she's kind of a badass. She's been doing this for a while. She's on the police force, yada, yada, yada. And uh, I also appreciate that she's not there to put up with Murphy's shit. You know, they get into a little squabble. It's it's a squabble, but um, they get into a little squabble about um, who's going to drive. And, uh, you know, Murphy has a snide comment that he doesn't let the rookie drive and shit like that. So it's, a, you know, a little bit like a back and forth, who's the better cop type of deal. And they don't, they're not really partners for very long, but they get to know each other. Um, Lewis finds out about Murphy's family. Um about um you know his son because like a couple times we see um murphy doing this gun trick where he's like twirling his gun and she asks what it's about and he says something along the lines with well my son's obsessed with this cartoon this tv show uh tj laser and thinks every good cop has got a twirl his gun and she kind of cuts him off and says, oh and so you want to be a good cop to him and you know so they get to know each other find out that he's got family um but then um they get they get sent out to a call out in the middle of nowhere. It's a warehouse. It's the is this fucking terrible gang of people, um, just robbed a bank and um, they send our heroes out after them. And in this scene, uh, spoiler: Murphy gets the shit blown out of him. Like he is, it's a gruesome, horrifying death. That I believe I remember hearing Paul Verhoeven talk about that one of the reasons he wanted that scene to be so graphic and be so violent and uh, grisly is to make up for the fact that we don't really get a lot of time to get to know Murphy and we get a little bit of time we get to feel for who he is but it what one way to make a character sympathetic is to make his death very hard to watch and having to watch Nancy Allen how she reacts to that scene just really sells it home and we find out later on that Murphy's body has been donated, slash maybe potentially stolen, for science. And uh, a new hotshot executive has a better idea than these giant walking mechs. He's like, well, instead of doing that, let's, let's, let's go forward with our RoboCop initiative, where they're going to take the bodies of fallen cops and essentially make a human cyborg. There's still some humanity left in them, but they're essentially robots and OCP says, fuck it, let's give it a shot. And it goes over very well. But the guy who wanted these walking mechs is not happy with it. And therein lies the drama. The film is, and then, not only that, but then it's Nancy Allen realizing that her former partner was ner- was turned into this machine. And then it's also about Murphy finding his own path, his own past again. He doesn't remember who he was, and he keeps getting these flashes, these images of his son, his wife, and the life he had before, and he doesn't know why he's plagued by these. So therein lies, in fact, the drama. Um, the film I I love, actually. Um, I unapologetically love Terminator more. Like I just, it's that's the movie I grew up with. That's the movie that just hit me in the right way. And I liked RoboCop the first time I saw it. I liked it a lot. But the more I see it, the more I appreciate it. And one thing that I think Arrow's releases do astonishingly well is they make you love a film even more than you thought you did before. Case in point, with the last Arrow title I reviewed, American Werewolf in London, 
Um, I already liked that movie, but I left loving that movie. I came into RoboCop liking RoboCop. I left loving it. And not only because of their presentation, because all the time and care they put into the the features themselves. Uh, the, uh, one thing I love about RoboCop is it's satirical. It's funny. It's it's action-packed. It's grotesque. It's all these things wrapped up into one bubble. And a film like this shouldn't have worked. It should have been just a B-picture. and But it became a big fucking smash. And a big part of the reason why is it's a perfect storm of writing. The, the screenwriter... I'm blanking on his name at the moment. Um, Edward Edward Newmeyer and Michael Miner. They wrote a hell of a script. They wrote a script that is satirical, that is commenting on the world, is commenting on consumerism and where we could be in the future. Uh, And then it also came together with Paul Verhoeven, who had a very specific vision. He came from making, uh, I believe, art films from from Europe, and um, even says in one of the special features, at first, he didn't quite get it, but they showed him a bunch of Judge Dredd comic books, and somehow that made it click for him, and then he he really connected to the material. Um, there's a famous story that um, when he got the script across his desk, he read the um, the title of the film, and he threw it over, he just threw it away, he said, whatever, and his wife read it, read a couple pages, maybe even read the entire script, and said, no, you should check this out. And he gave it a second chance and agreed to do it. And then, of course, you have the amazing special effects by by uh, Rob Bottin and Paul Tippett. That is what also makes the film iconic. What would the film be without these great effects? You know, this could have been a really cheesy film very easily. I feel like everything that's been said about RoboCop is out there. I don't feel like I'm really adding anything new to the mix of it other than this is a must-buy. Um, I feel like I say that a lot with Arrow, but... This is truly a must-own for fans. This is the best release of RoboCop that I've ever seen. It's the most most comprehensive, and honestly, the film's stunning. It's gorgeous, and it's got, uh, which is not a movie, I never really thought of RoboCop as having really great cinematography, but in my personal opinion, it does. And on top of all that, you get three cuts of the film. So that's uh, pretty amazing. So let's talk about extras. There's a lot of them. So... Limited edition contents on the film. There's a 4K restoration of the film from the original camera negative by MGM, transferred in 2013 and approved by director Paul Verhoeven. Newly commissioned artwork by Paul Shipper. Director's cut and theatrical cut of the film on two high-definition 1080p Blu-ray discs. Original lossless stereo and four-channel mixes plus DTS HD MA 5.1 surround sound option on both cuts. Um... I listened to the four-channel mix because I have rear speakers, so I want to use them, and it sounded fantastic. The movement of sound in this film and how clean and crisp everything was, the highs and the lows. Part of the reason is I do have a decent sound system, So, but if, you, if you're listening off of a nice sound system, a nice sound bar, you're just going to notice the, the, um, how clean and detailed everything sounds, and it's an amazing uh, movement of sound, great uh, vocal registry, everything. Um, There's English subtitles for the deaf and hard of hearing on both discs. Six collector's postcards, limited edition exclusive. Uh, A double-sided fold-out poster, which is also limited edition exclusive. Reversal of sleeve featuring original and newly commissioned artwork, also on the limited edition exclusive. 
And then there's an 80-page limited edition collector's booklet featuring new writing on the film by uh, Omar Ahmed, Christopher Griffiths, and Henry Blythe. A 1987 Fangoria interview with Rob Bottin and archive publicity materials. Um, and some of those contents will be exclusive to the limited edition. The version I have has all of those. And then each disc has special features. So which disc one, which is the director's cut, has an archive commentary by director Paul Verhoeven, executive producer John Davison, and co-writer Ed Neumeyer, which was originally recorded for the theatrical cut and re-edited in 2014 for the director's cut. There's a new commentary track by historian Paul M. Salmon, which I've not gotten to listen to yet, but you guys know how I love uh, film historian commentary tracks. And then there's a new commentary by fans Christopher Griffiths, Gary Smart, and Eastwood Allen, which is interesting. So I like com I like I love commentaries. Director commentaries are always really good. Cinematographer commentaries are great on a technical level. Historians ones are my favorites. Um, there's only been a couple fan commentaries I've listened to. It's usually with Adam Green and Joe Lynch when they do the the um, Friday the Thirteenth films. So this should be interesting. I'm curious how this one plays out. I've I've not had chance. I just not had the free time to go back and re-listen to all three of these commentaries yet. But I have watched a lot of the features. Uh, the future of law enforcement, creating RoboCop, a newly filmed interview with co-writer Michael Miner. Um, this was an interesting feature because he's very open about where him and Edward New Ed Newmeyer were at when they wrote the film. Um, it's a little dry, but I I found it to be great information. But what I liked even better was the next feature. It's called RoboTalk, a newly filmed conversation between uh, co-writer Ed Newmeyer and filmmakers David Burke, who wrote uh, Paul, Paul Verhoeven's newest film, L, and Nick McCarthy, director of the Orion Pictures the prodigy this was great because it was three filmmakers who really love and respect each other's work just candidly talking about about film uh, it reminded me a lot of the noah baumbach brian de palma roundtable interview they had on the blowout uh, criterion disc just that level of quality where you know it wasn't a floating head documentary it was just like i said three people having a conversation about robocop and where where the the ideas came from and to get to talk about get to hear ed newmeyer talk about film and filmmaking and the types of films that he responded to i think is pretty great Truth of Character, a newly filmed interview with star Nancy Allen on her, on her role as Lewis. This was delightful. Nancy Allen is a treat. She, uh, one, looks phenomenal. St uh, still, um, first time I ever saw her in the movie Blowout, I had such a crush on her. And it didn't help that my buddy uh, from the group Teakwood Gallows wrote a song about that character. And she's just so full of life. She reminds me a lot of listening to interviews with Barbara Crampton, where she's just so happy with the way her career turned out, um, is happy with making this film, and goes into depth about her character, how, how it came to be, her, her relationship with police officers because her father was one, and how she built this character and kind of was a real badass in the film. Uh, so this, is, this was delightful, Truth of Character with Nancy Allen. Casting Old Detroit, a newly filmed interview of casting director Julie Selzer on the Hall of Films and ensemble cast was assembled. Um, short, but if you're interested in casting, it's pretty good. Connecting the Shots, a newly filmed interview with second unit director and frequent Verhoeven collaborator Mark Goldblatt. This one was pretty cool because um, 
I always loved Mark Goldblatt as an editor, and I didn't know he shot second unit at all. So he goes in depth about how he shot uh, a lot of the second unit stuff, points out what he did shoot, and then talks a lot about the second unit director's job. It's not to show off. It's to try to meet, match the the visual approach of the director. He also talks about, like, um, um, I believe this is the interviewer. He sits down and talks about watching uh, Ridley Scott's Legend with Paul Verhoeven which I think was kind of great. I think it was in this one. I watched all of them on the same day, so I could be getting them mixed up. The next one is called Analog, a new featurette focusing on the special photographic effects, including new interviews of Peter Curran and Kevin uh, Kutchhaber. This is one. This was probably one, also one of my favorites, where if you're interested in old-school uh, effects and before pre-CGI, this is a great commentary where they talk about not how they got involved with it, but how they did a lot of this stuff in their really early 20s. And special effects nerds like myself will love this. Um, More Man the Machine, composing Robocop, a new tribute to composer Basil Polidorus, featuring film music experts Jeff Bond, Lucas Kendall, Daniel Schweiger, and Robert Townsend. Um... Also, uh, these are all good. This is pretty cool because they talk about um, how Basil went about composing the score, which I talked about online very recently that I I don't think the score is as iconic as Terminator, but the more and more I listen to the RoboCop score, the more and more I like it. I just think it's a beautiful score. Um, Then there's RoboProps, a newly filmed tour of Superfan Julian Dumont's uh, collection of original props props and memorabilia. A 2012 Q&A with filmmakers, a panel discussion featuring Verhoeven, Davis, and Neumeyer, Minor, Allen, star Peter Weller, and animator Phil Tippett, a uh, Robocop creating a legend, villains of old Detroit, and special effects then and now, three archive features from 2007 featuring interviews of cast and crew, uh, Paul, Haven, Paul Verhoeven's Easter Egg, four deleted scenes, The Boardroom, storyboard with commentary by Phil Tippett, director's cut production footage, Raul Dalish from the, aiming, from the filming of an unrated gore scenes, two theatrical trailers and three TV spots, uh, extensive image galleries, and then on disc two, which is the theatrical cut, there's an archive commentary by director Paul Verhoeven, executive producer John Davison, and co-writer Ed Newmeyer, originally recorded for the theatrical version of the film. Two isolated score tracks, composer's original mix and final theatrical mix in Lost with Stereo. Uh, an edited for TV version of the film featuring alternate dubs, takes, and edits of s- uh, several scenes, which is in, well, not, 95 minutes long and SD only. Split, sp- sp- split screen comparisons between the director's cut and theatrical cut and the theatrical cut and edited for TV version. This was pretty cool um, because it was really cool to be able to see both scenes from theatrical versus director's cut back and forth and see actually what was changed. And then there's Robocop edited for television, a compilation of alternate scenes from two edited for television versions, including outtakes newly transferred in HD from recently on earth, 35 millimeter elements. So whew, that's a lot of fucking features. Thanks for listening guys. This was my review on Robocop. Um, yeah, this film is a must-own in any form. Like, if you don't go out and get the Arrow version, that's okay. I get it. It's a, it's a bit of an expensive box set. And not everyone cares about special features as much as I do. However, like I said, this is, I think, the definitive version of RoboCop. 
I think the only other version that some could claim would be better, and I've never owned it, so I don't know if the special features are better, if the transfer is better. Um, there was a RoboCop Criterion DVD back out in the day, which for the longest time was the only way you could actually get the, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Get the, the unrated cut. But now that's plenty that's plenty available. But just all the different cuts of Robocop on this disc, as well as um, all the special features, the great sound mixing, everything. This this disc is a must own, plus the essays on the inside of the packaging, which I don't think I've really talked too much about. Um, it's gonna make you love and appreciate this movie even more. Arrow put a lot of hard work and effort into this, and I think it's something that every fan should own. Um, so that's going to be it for this episode of the Shameless Picture Show, guys. We are here every other week, except for, uh, you know, weeks where uh, we can't get an episode together. I know it's very not coming up. We're here every other week, except, no, can, we're, gonna, we're, we're here almost every other week. I do bring out bonus episodes quite often. We will be having a Patreon launching, ooh, launching by the end of, um, sorry, the beginning of the new year. Rolling into season four. Season fucking four of the Shameless Picture Show. I honestly didn't know if me and Nick would make it past season two. Like, it's something we both wanted to do. I just didn't think uh, I'd commit to it for so long. But then it just became something I really loved doing. And honestly, getting sponsors for the show and being able to discover all this cool new stuff, that just made it so much easier. So... Yeah, I'm thankful you're here. I'm thankful you're listening. I'm thinking. I'm thankful that you guys give a shit about what I have to say about movies. You know, I'm no one. I'm just a, a straight white male dude. Straight white male dude. That's redundant. I'm just a straight white male. You know, my my perception is no different. It's nothing special than a lot of other people around me. But you still care. You still think what I have to say is interesting, funny, enlightening, and that means a lot to me. It really does. The fact that there's people out there that look forward to hearing what I have to say about RoboCop or Ultraman or the Terminator or Audition or all these other things. And I'm still going to try to bring out the best fucking guests I can find. Um, I think this season had some of the best guests we've ever had. And uh, to see the responses that I've gotten from people make me excited to find new people to bring out on this show. So next year, I am confident that it's going to be a make-or-break season for the Shameless Picture Show. I think it's either going to be our best season yet or else. I don't know. what I don't know. I'm making a threat to myself. I don't know what that means, but I think it's going to be something spectacular. And I love every single one of you for listening. For the people that have reached out personally and told me they've listened, thank you very much. For the people who are just discovering the show, thank you very much for giving me a shot. Um, and... I love you all. Merry Christmas. Fuck yeah, it's my favorite holiday, Christmas. Go watch some movies. Go watch the best version of A Christmas Carol, the Mickey Mouse Christmas Carol that's on Disney Plus currently. Hell, with the Patreon, maybe I'll start giving monthly suggestions for movies to watch on Disney Plus. You know, yeah, there's Star Wars, there's Marvel, that's all fucking cool. But, you know, have you watched The Apple Dumpling Gang? No? Have you watched The Absent-Minded Professor? No? Well, maybe I'll give you some suggestions. I'm also going to do watch-alongs with movies, and you guys will have a chance to suggest what I should watch. That's cool, isn't it? Yeah, I thought so. So, thank you guys again. Thank you for listening. We're going to keep doing this show, and if you're not down with that, I've got two words for you. Watch movies.